Yes, I'm on. Dang. I'd like to welcome everyone to uh, the Village Church, where our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Christ's love. If you are a guest today, I'd like to call your attention to the QR code that's printed on the front of your bulletin. Uh, we would definitely like for you to scan that code. There's information there about uh, giving, uh, also all our social media platforms. And so there's also a, a guest form that we would like for you to fill out, too, uh, once you click on that QR code. At the Village Church, we believe the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. And so you may give to the Village Church online through, our, through PayPal, or you may use the uh, giving box located to my left in the back of the sanctuary or you can scan the QR code as well, or you can mail in your information also, your own check also. On the inside of your worship guide, there are some upcoming events. Please take note and govern yourselves accordingly. And next week, we also will be celebrating our church anniversary. So please come, bring a friend. And also to all the sisters, there will be a Friendsgiving also coming up on November the 16th. And after service, there will be Sunday equipment classes for all ages, and for those who are in each end of the village class, we will meet in the annex. So these are your announcements. Govern yourselves accordingly. Good morning. Um, if you would stand, we're going to sing "Great is Our Great is Thy Faithfulness." I don't know about you, but He has been so faithful to me, so faithful. And we want to just express that to him and give him worship and praise this morning.
you'll take your worship guide out. We're going to do our call to worship together. I'll read the part that says leader, and then you guys just really swell with response for people. Help me, O Lord, my God. Save me according to your steadfast love. Let them know that this is your hand. You, O Lord, have done it. With my mouth, I will give great thanks to the Lord. I will praise him in the midst of the throng. Let's continue that that praise. Stand with us. Sing if you're able. And clap if you can. On the one and the three if possible. (laughs) Come all you weary. Come all you weary. Come all you thirsty. Come to the well that never runs dry. Thank you. 
Good morning. Good morning. Now for our prayer of praise. Let's let's pray. Father God, we come to you humbly once again to say thank you for being our God and thank you for choosing us to be your people. Father, we come gratefully into your presence with praise and thanksgiving, thankful that we can gather together as like-minded believers, free from persecution, and give praise and glory and honor and adoration to the God who is worthy of it all, to the God who so loved the world that he gave his only son for us, his elect exiles, his chosen people, his children, whom he loves so dearly. So, Father, help us not to forget the cost of the redemption that you bought for us. Remind us, O God, of not just who we are, but whose we are, that we are yours, that we are loved, and that we are chosen. So help us to give you all of the praise and honor and adoration and glory that you so truly deserve. It's this and all things we pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen. And now for our confession of sin, which will come from Deuteronomy 30, verses 17 and 18. You all may be seated. Today's confession of sin, but if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare you today that you shall surely perish. Let's silently confess our sins to our God. Amen. And now for our assurance of pardon, which comes from Romans 6, 22 and 23. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit of you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask if you're able, stand back up again. We're going to sing about whose we are and who he's made us to be um, and remind ourselves of, of who we are in Christ Jesus and the power that he's given us and the names that he calls us and who he is. Um, we're going to sing that together.
continue to stand. Avery's going to come and lead scripture for us. Um, yeah, and we'll be able to stand here in the reading of the word. Good morning, family. Thank you for standing. We're going to read um, from Hosea chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. Ephraim feeds on the wind. He pursues the east wind all day and multiplies lies and violence. He makes a treaty with Assyria and sends olive oil to Egypt. The Lord has a charge to bring against Judah. He will punish Jacob according to his ways and repay him according to his deeds. In the womb, he grasped his brother's heel. As a man, he struggled with God. He struggled with the angel and overcame him. He wept and begged for his favor. He found him at Bethel and walked with him there. The Lord God Almighty, the Lord is his name. But you must return to your God. Maintain love and justice and wait for your God always. The merchant uses dishonest scales and loves to defraud. Ephraim boasts, I am very rich. I have become wealthy. With all my wealth, they will not find in me any iniquity or sin. I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. I will make you live in tents again, as in the days of your appointed festivals. I spoke to the prophets, gave them many visions, and told parables through them. Is Gilead wicked? Its people are worthless. Do they sacrifice bulls in Gilgal? Their altars will be like piles of stones on a plowed field. Jacob fled to the country of Aram. Israel served to get a wife, and to pay for her he tended sheep. The Lord used a prophet to bring Israel up from Egypt by a prophet who cared for him. 
but Ephraim has aroused his bitter anger. His Lord will lead him on the guilt of his bloodshed and will repay him for his contempt. The word of the Lord. are new to the Village Church, we are a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. And one of the things we practice in the Presbyterian Church in America is what we call infant baptism or covenant baptism. And we're going to have one today for Ella Lovewood. But I'm going to explain to you what we mean by covenant baptism before we have it. The focus of covenant baptism is not on the child being baptized. The focus, as in everything, is on the Lord God. So what do you mean by that, Pastor Alex? Well, I'll tell you. Covenant baptism is not about the child's salvation, for baptism saves no one, nor does covenant baptism indicate the child's faith. You see, covenant baptism is a sign of the covenant promises of the Lord God. He himself guarantees that these promises will come to the child if that child comes to saving faith. As one pastor said, covenant baptism means children are recipients of a promise. The parents take a vow after being asked, do you claim God's covenant promises on your child's behalf? The parents take the vow, not the child. Covenant baptism indicates that the promises of the covenant extend to the child by virtue of are who their parents are, okay? Who are the parents? They're believers. And so as believers, the covenant promises that they have are being extended to all of their kids. But those promises will only be effectually applied to that child when he or she comes to saving faith, and that requires the work of the Holy Spirit. So what is happening today Covenant promises are being extended, not effectually applied, okay? Extended, not effectually applied. So the promise says, for to you is the promise, and to your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord God calls upon him. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed after you throughout all generations for an everlasting covenant. I'd like to invite the Lovewood family up. And also, Josh Smith, he's one of our deacons who's going to be ordained soon. He's going to assist. Amen. Y'all can clap. Come on. All right. It's okay to show emotion, Presbyterians. All right. So I'm going to read... Ask y'all three vows for Kevin and Sarah. Do we acknowledge Ella's need for the cleansing blood of Jesus and the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit? Do you claim God's covenant promises on her behalf? And do you look in faith to the Lord Christ for her salvation as you do your own? Do you now unreservedly dedicate Ella to God and promise in humble reliance upon divine grace and that you will pray with and for her and that you would teach her the doctrines of a holy religion, and that you would strive by all means of God's holy appointment to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. All right, if you are a member of the Village Church, will you please stand? 
you please stand? I have a question for y'all, and don't you, you do not affirm this question if you don't mean it, okay? Do you as a congregation undertake the responsibility to assist Kevin and Sarah in the Christian nurture of Ella? If you do, raise your right hand and say, I do. Okay, and I hope you know that means serving in the nursery, okay? <laughs> you may have a seat. You may have a seat. Hey, Kevin, you mind getting that? The mic, yeah. Sarah wanted to have a few words uh, before we do the baptism. In the months since Ella was born, we have had the opportunity to truly see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In hopes of glorifying God and encouraging his church, we feel called this day to make Ella's baptism in Ebenezer a signpost in our lives and hers, saying, thus far, the Lord has helped us. Many of you know this story, so I'll make it brief. Uh, But in the hours after Ella's birth, I was told that I had tested positive on a routine drug screen. Keep in mind, I did not even take Tylenol during my pregnancy, so it was a surprise. (laughs) In the coming hours and days, we found ourselves under a DHR safety plan, facing the potential of not being able to care for our children in our home and not being sure how to prove my innocence. It was a long three weeks before we were able to have the case closed and move on. Um, We're still not 100% sure what happened, (laughs) but... While we certainly felt the expected fear and frustration, we acknowledge the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts, using this trial as a reminder that although God has given us these children to love and to steward, he is the only one who can truly love and care for them unconditionally without fail. We also praise the Lord for our family, both biological and our church family, for supporting us through prayer and meals and visits. As we stand before you to declare that we will raise up Ella in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, we praise him. We praise him for a family and a church body that loves and supports us. We praise him for being a God who upholds the truth. And we praise him for his faithfulness in our time of need. So as we come to baptize Ella today, we declare the goodness of a covenanting God who promises in Genesis 17 to establish his covenant between himself and us and our offspring to be God to us and to them. Thank you for your part in declaring that along with us today. Amen. All right. All righty. All right. Pastor Alex likes to use a lot of water. <laughs> hey, little one. This is a church family. Ella Ludwig, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, I want to pray a pastoral prayer over this little one. I pray that you will call her to faith early in life. I pray that she will never know a day where she didn't know Christ. I pray for her, her parents, her brother, that you will bless them and sustain them. And I pray you keep her safe, and I pray, Lord, that you will watch over her. Christ's name I pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. We're going to have a prayer time of supplication. That is a time for you to bring to the Lord any needs that you may have within your own life, within your own family, needs in the world. So 
let us go to the Lord now for a time of supplication. Please join me. Father God, we know that when we bow as believers, that we are praying to a God who hears us. We're not praying into nothingness, Lord. We're praying to Yahweh Elohim, the creator of the heavens and earth, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of all things. And right now, as church gathered and our worship gathering, we come and bring before you any needs that we may have, interceding on behalf of those who, who are not doing well, praying blessings over those who need some type of physical healing, emotional healing, relational healing, and also praying for wisdom for our national leaders, our government leaders, praying for conflicts that overseas, wars and stuff, Lord, that are that's happening, Father praying, Lord, for answers and for healing, for restoration, for hope and for justice, Father. That as Christians, we get the, the privilege of praying into the sufferings of the world. Lord. And you know and see the things that are happening in our community. And we pray, Lord, that you would bring restoration, that, that, that we would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That you would do it. Pray for our church, for our leaders, that you will bless and sustain us and that we will lead in weakness and, and humility, and that when we mess up, we will own it and confess it. I pray that you will continue to bless our outreach efforts. I pray as we head into the holiday season, Lord, that you will watch over us and protect us. Thank you for everyone that, has, that came today, the guests that we have today, that you watch over them and bless them. So, Lord, we as Christians, Lord, we, we just don't realize how good you are and how faithful you are in our lives. We, we constantly forget what you have done for us. Help us to remember that, that you are faithful. And help us to remember who we are. We are beloved sons and daughters of a good father. It's in Christ's name that I pray. strength within your sorrow, there's beauty in our tears, and you meet us in our morning, with the love that casts out Your plans are still the process. 
He is sovereign over us. Come on, y'all can do better than that, right? But do you believe it? You can sing it, but do you believe it? We are returning to the book of Hosea this morning. No claps. I know, Hosea. Yeah. <laughs> After uh, a four-month break. Yeah, this will be a short stay. This will be the, uh, the first of two final sermons in this sermon series. And who remembers the name of the sermon series in Hosea? Yes, a love that makes us whole. Y'all were, y'all were getting there. Yeah. A love that makes us whole. And, and such love is a divine love. It's the love from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A love that makes us whole takes risks. It disciplines us. It corrects us. It transforms us. A love that makes us whole, it heals and and restores, and and it even holds us accountable for the way in which we live our life. The sermon text today is Hosea chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. The title is Yahweh's Faithfulness. Yahweh's Faithfulness. A love that makes us whole is faithful. A love that makes us whole is faithful. Please pray with me for me. Holy Spirit, as we come to the preaching of the word, I pray that you you will give each of us the word that we need to receive today. That each of us will leave here differently because of our time in corporate worship. That we will receive encouragement, comfort, that some of us may even be led to a deeper level of repentance. So I pray that Christ gets the glory and that you will minister to both our hearts and to our minds. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Your past speaks to your present. It actually affects your present, present life. Whether your past is filled with negativity or positivity. You see, unresolved issues from your past are showing up in your present life and and relationships. And unacknowledged goodness from your past is showing up as well. That's why some of us struggle to let goodness land in our life. We didn't grow up learning how to acknowledge the the goodness around us and, and the goodness in our families of origin. So your past will come up in your present life at some point. And in the northern kingdom of Israel, this is where Hosea has been ministering, the past is brought into the present in order to help this nation return to the Lord their God. In chapter 12, Hosea reaches back into the past and he brings into the present an Israelite patriarch named Jacob named Jacob. He used, and Jacob, if you know the story of Jacob, Jacob was the youngest son of Isaac and Rebekah, the twin brother of of Esau, and Jacob is a forefather to the current Israelites in the northern kingdom. All of them are descendants from Jacob, just like some of us are descendants from from our ancestors. I mean, I'm sure 
None of us in this room are native to this land that we currently live in. We're here because our ancestors came here freely or they were brought here in chains. The past impacts us. So for, so Hosea, is, he uses the past to speak to the present in order to help the northern kingdom return to the Lord their God. So how does he do it? Well, he connects seven events from Jacob's life to the life of these Israelites in the northern kingdom. And each of these events are taken from the book of Genesis. The first event comes from Jacob's life from Genesis 25. It tells of Jacob's birth. It provides details about what was happening in, in Rebekah's womb between the twins. So it says in the womb, Jacob had Esau by the heel. This was Jacob's first attempt to supplant his brother as firstborn. You see, Jacob, if you know anything about him in his earlier years, he was a cheater and he was a deceiver. He cheated Esau twice. He deceived his father. He even lied about the Lord God in, in Genesis 37. He was a con man. Do not, he, if he was a used car salesman, you would not want to go buy a car from Jacob. And now, Esau te, now Hosea tells the northern kingdom that they are just like him in his earlier years, that they are a deceitful and cheating nation. And, and, and Hosea says to them that you are defrauding Yahweh's covenant. And for 11 chapters, we went on and on about Hosea telling Israel how they have been defrauding their covenant relationship with the Lord God. How they have been surrounding him with lies and, and deceit. And they're pursuing safety and security outside of Yahweh from other nations. They're making covenants with nations like Assyria. They're trying to buy protection from a, a nation like Egypt. And so their foreign policy and their political entanglements with other nations were just all corrupt. It was all corrupt. And within the kingdom, there's religious and moral decline. Idolatry is all over the northern kingdom at this point. Baal worship is all over the northern kingdom. There's, there's, they have altars where they make sacrifices, animal sacrifices, even human sacrifices. All of this is taking place in the northern kingdom. And within the kingdom, put it this way, the northern kingdom is a velvet ghetto. You see, God sends Hosea to the northern kingdom when the kingdom is flourishing. So Hosea is prophesying when things are well. They're growing, they're, they're flourishing, but it's, but it's just a velvet ghetto because on the outside it looks good. It's, they're, they're Facebook happy, but when you get into the weeds and the details, when you see how the sausage is made, it turns your stomach because there's falsehood and violence everywhere. Hosea even calls them a shady merchant in whose hands are deceitful and honest balances, and they love to oppress other people. And yet, and even with all this is going on, guess what they say about themselves? Ah, oh, but I'm rich. I have found wealth for myself. In all my labors, they cannot find any iniquity and sin in me. 
they're not only deceiving the Lord God, they're also deceiving themselves. Or are you deceiving yourself? God's covenant people in the northern kingdom, they are living unfaithfully. Their trust and their loyalty is with someone else. Their allegiance is and heart and the affections of their heart belongs to another. And the same can be true of God's covenant people today. If you have seven faith in Jesus, if you believe Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead for your sins, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus as Savior and Lord, then you are one of God, you part of God's covenant people. You you are a Christian, and that's a great thing. But even as Christians, we can live unfaithfully at certain times. All right, do I need to get the, the sign? As Christians, if you've been a Christian for 30 years, you can still, at certain moments in your life, live unfaithfully. Amen? Even Christians can, can have struggle with some form of or immorality. They can live in some form of uh, unrepentant sins. Think about this country that we live in. Do you honestly think all the evil and sins that has happened in our nation were done by unbelievers? Do you honestly think that, that, that all the sin, if you know the history of our country, did Christians ever commit any of it? Can Christians commit heinous sins? Dr. Reese Johnson is a therapist I follow on Instagram. She recently said, she recently said there are so many lies we believe, and those lies have become false beliefs. There are so many lies we believe, and those lies have become false beliefs. There are two lies that, that we can tell ourselves as Christians individually and as Christians gathered corporately. First, we, w- we can say, I would never do that. When you see another person commit a sin, you will say, well, I'll never do that. I'll never do that. Oh, I'll never have an abortion. Oh, I'll never steal. I'll never cheat on my spouse. Oh, I'll never cheat on my taxes. I'll never murder anybody. And as corporately, we will say, but that will never happen at our church. That'll never happen here. Those are lies that have become um, false b- b- beliefs. See, see, the truth is, is that we can do it, and it can happen here. Or you are doing it, and it is happening. So here's the thing. If we have never done the worst, it's only because of God's grace, not because of us. Because we're all capable of committing the same evil that we see every day. We just haven't been put to it. You're just not in the right circumstance. The clouds just haven't aligned yet. But if you put in the right circumstance, the right situation, you can do it. And if we don't do it, it's only because of God's grace has sustained us in our moment of temptation and weakness. That's the only reason. The larger catechism, chapter 6, says, God continues to forgive the sins of those who are justified, although they can never fall from that state of justification, yet by their, by their sin, they can fall under God's fatherly displeasure and not have for a time the light of his countenance restored unto them until they humble themselves, confess their sins, 
ask for pardon, and renew their faith and repentance. That's good and wonderful news. Humility, confession, repentance, renewal is what God wants from us whenever we wander into unfaithful living. Now, there may still be consequences, but you can still be forgiven. This is why the Spirit convicts us. This is why the church practices church discipline. This is why the Father brings uh, people into our lives to call us out for our stuff. And this is why God sent Hosea to the northern kingdom. This is why he brings a lawsuit against them, a covenant lawsuit against them in verse 2. This is why Hosea is bringing the past into the present. And this is why he's connecting these Israelites with Jacob from the past. He wants them to come to a place of confession and repentance. That's what he wants. So Jacob was a deceiver and a cheater. But eventually, transformation comes to Jacob's life through the hands of the Lord God. The God's faithfulness works itself out in his life, just like he's doing in your life. The Lord didn't give up on Jacob. That's an amen statement. He didn't give up on Jacob. He doesn't give up on you. So Hosea points the northern kingdom to two more events from, from Jacob's life. He, he points them to what happened after Jacob deceived his brother and father. Do you know what he did after he deceived them? What did he do? He fled. He fled to his uncle's house in the land of Aram. And he served there for many, many years for two wives. And that's recorded in Genesis 28 and Genesis 29. You see, the Lord God, and what did Jacob experience when he lived with his uncle? Yes. The Lord allowed Jacob to experience the same deception and deceit that he gave to other people. And it humbled him. And it humbled him. Jacob was humbled during the time with his, with his uncle. And maybe that's what the northern kingdom needs, a little more humility. In fact, sometimes the Lord God has to humble us to get our attention. And sometimes... He allows us to get a taste of our own medicine, which will lead us to repentance. And that's all good things. Earlier I said our past speaks to our presence, and, and unresolved issues from our past does catch up with us. It catches up with Jacob because he has a past too. He's running from it. He stole the blessing and birthright from his brother, and he jetted out of town. And in Genesis 32, Jacob prepared to meet Esau after these many, many years. I mean, years have passed. He, he, the brothers have not spoken or seen each other since Jacob deceived him. This happened before the parents' death. And now, Esau, and now Jacob is afraid. He's afraid. You see... Part of God transforming you may require you to revisit things from your past that you don't really want to visit. Okay. Jacob been running for years from his brothers. But now he's prepared to meet him and he's afraid because he thinks his brother is going to want to get even with him. 
payback for what you stole from me. Jacob was under a lot of stress in Genesis 32. Fear and, and pressure. His, his, his heart was heavy and, 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 and he feared for the safety of his family. He had a family now with kids and he feared that, that what if my brother comes and attacks me and he also attacks my family? I could lose everything. So he has all these fears and these uncertainties and, and, and what does he do with it? All these uncertainties about the future. What does he do with it, y'all? He wrestles with the Lord. He wrestles with the Lord all night long in Genesis 32. Hosea now is pointing the northern kingdom to these events. In verse 4a, he said, Jacob strove with the angel and prevailed. Jacob wanted the angel to bless him. He wanted him to bless his meeting with his brother Esau. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. He got what he wanted, but he also left with a limp. And he also left with a new name. No longer a cheater. No longer the deceiver. No longer Jacob, but Israel. The angel of the Lord said to him, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and man and prevailed. So maybe instead of the northern kingdom rebelling against God and doing their own thing, maybe they should be wrestling with God in the midst of what's happening. Struggle with that God instead of running and rejecting him. Maybe that's what we should do with our fears and uncertainties about our life and and our futures and our broken relationships. Maybe we should take a break and we should stop instead of running and returning to vomit. Maybe we need to go in our prayer closet and, and wrestle with God all night long. Maybe that's what we should do. I believe as Christians, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can step out on faith and wrestle with God at the same time about whatever is stressing us completely out. You can do both. You can still live, still move, and still be wrestling with God at the same time. We can do both, but do we believe it? Do we believe it? Look at verse 4b. It says, He wept and sought his favor. Who wept? And whose favor was sought? What do y'all think? This is congregation participation. Huh? Jacob wept, sought God. That's one interpretation, yes. He's pointing to a sixth event from Jacob's life. And this event is when Jacob reconciled and reunited with his brother Esau. It's when his past caught up with him and he was healed. This is recorded in Genesis 33. And in Genesis 33, verses 4 and 8, it says, Jacob himself, he went before his family. His family was behind him and he's walking to meet Esau. He he himself, he bowed to the ground seven times until he came near his brother. And then when Jacob and then when Esau saw Jacob coming, it says he ran to meet Jacob, embraced him, fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. 
And in verse 10, Jacob said, if I have found favor in your sight, accept my gift from my hand. For I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God. And you have accepted it. Sit in that for a moment. Esau ran to meet him, to meet his brother. He embraced his brother. He kissed his brother, and they wept together, y'all. It's time for some of us to stop running from our past. Got to face it. Got to give it to Jesus. Got to let him bring healing. Got to realize that, that there is hope and for whatever broken relationship that, that you may have in your past that, that is still broken and hasn't been healed. There's all, as long as you're alive and as long as they're alive, there's always hope. I lost my dad a few years ago. Many of you know that. And when he passed, it hurt. I cried, but I had no regrets. Because I, had, I told my dad all the things I needed to tell him while he was alive. I thanked him for what he did teach me about manhood. I told him part of who I am as a man today is because of you. And so when he died, it hurt. But I am not living with regrets because I, did, I left things unsaid. So as long as that people are alive, things can be made right, and there's always hope. And this is what Hosea wants for the northern kingdom. He wants them to know that you don't have to continue to live this way. You don't have to continue to live this way. You can return and, and seek the Lord, and he will forgive you. No matter how far we fall into the far country, you can always come home. Do you believe that? As Christians, do you believe that? And your way home is confession and repentance. All through the book of Hosea, all God wanted Israel to do was admit they are doing wrong. And they wouldn't admit it. <laughs> confess and repent. Finally, he points the northern kingdom to a seventh event from Jacob's life. Look at verses 4c and through 5. He met God at Bethel, and there God spoke to us, the Lord, the God, the Lord, the God of hosts. The Lord is his memorial name. This event is recorded in Genesis 35. Something wonderful happened to Jacob here in this chapter. The Lord blessed him, and the Lord renamed him at Bethel. This comes up again. His name is changed again. The Lord says, your name is Jacob. No longer shall you be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So God, so he called his name Israel. And the Lord made a promise to Jacob. I am the Lord Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations will come from you. And kings will come from your own body. TVC Saints, Hosea wants the northern kingdom to know they are the, they are the fulfillment of that promise. They are the fulfillment of that promise. The God brought them up out of Egypt to fulfill that promise. He wants them to know that, that, that you guys are actually living beneath who you are. 
They didn't, they, the, 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 the nation is called Israel. That's a name that was given to them by the Lord God. That's a sign of his faithfulness. They are that nation. Kings from Jacob's own body was ruled in that kingdom, and all of them were corrupt. The northern kingdom have forgotten who they are, and they have forgotten who they belong to. We sung about that earlier. They've forgotten the worth and the dignity and the respect that's attached to their name. And as a result, they are living for lesser things. They settle for less because they forgot their own worth and value. What about you? Have you forgotten who you are in Christ? If you have faith in Jesus, you are in union with him. You are in him. Have you forgotten who you are in Christ? Have you forgotten your worth and and your value and your dignity? And none of those things are attached to your performance and productivity and your success and your work. It's who you are as an image bearer. Have you forgotten it? Christians are beloved sons and daughters of the king. We're not filthy, nasty sinners. We struggle with sin, but that's not who we are. You're beloved. You're Jesus' most treasured possession. We are a royal priesthood. And we don't have to live beneath who we are in Christ. What are you selling? that's beneath you as a beloved. You don't have to settle for a bad relationship. You don't have to settle living in sin. You don't have to settle for those things. You are redeemed for more. And you can have more. Yeah, this country is wonderful. But compared to what we have in Christ, it's nothing. It's rubbish. Everything that you need to live a flourishing life, God has already given you. Being part of the covenant family, that's one of them. The means of grace, that those are things he's given you. We don't have to give in to the enemy's temptations. Remember the song from earlier, even, when the, even what the enemy means for evil. You turn it for our good. If you believe that. You turn it for our good and for your glory. Because even in the valley, Jesus is faithful. Working for our good. Working for our good and his glory. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten that. You're with us in the fire and the flood. Oh, you're faithful forever. Perfect in love, you are sovereign over us. Can you believe that? Can you rest in that? Can you embrace that? Can you live in light of it? I hope so. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, sometimes we we definitely need you to help us live in light of this.
and you live in us and you will lead us into all truth. Help us to realize who we are. Help us to know our worth. Help us to know that we are beloved. And I pray as we go out and engage this world another week, that we will have a godly confidence, a godly swagger as we live and function in this week to come, knowing who we are and who we belong to. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Will you please stand as we close our service, saints?
so much. Our sins are forgiven. Our future is heaven. We can praise God in light of that. If you are a guest today, thank you so much for uh, being with us. After the service, uh, the adults would meet here in the sanctuary for evangelism training. The youth downstairs, the village kids, and those in the end of the village class would meet in the annex. Now, here's God's benediction to his beloved. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. And all God's people said, Amen. Please greet one another. Thanks.